Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Welcome to Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, the longest-running weekly personal finance radio show in Wisconsin. Annex Wealth Management is a local fee-only fiduciary providing investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. Know the difference. Expectations, reality, and opportunity. We'll decode that. Welcome. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Glad you're here. Busy hour. We're going to get right to it. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Beck, Chief Growth Officer, Pinch Hitton for Dave Spano, who's on the road. Hey, Mark. Hey. And we got Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's going to be fun, Brian. I spend a little bit of time with you chatting about what's been happening in the investment markets. I think that's where we will just kick it off right away. This past week, a bit of a level set in terms of expectations between investors and what the Fed has been trying to tell them for a while. <laughs> Feels like this week they kind of opened up their eyes and said, oh, they're serious about this. That's right. Yeah, that was really the message that came out. And I think what really triggered it was the consumer price index data that came out for January. Now, January data is always a little rough to interpret because you have all sorts of swings in the weather that can affect spending, price numbers, things like that. And then there's also certain changes that like the Bureau of Labor Statistics makes as far as how they smooth out the data. Uh, In order to compare data in January to July, they like to do seasonal adjustments, but they don't adjust for the weather. And January was an incredibly cold month, especially compared to December. So we had data on retail sales and then the consumer price index, and both of which were probably distorted by those swings in the temperature. But the market seemed to finally wake up and actually is beginning to see eye to eye with the Fed as far as what the path ahead is for rate cuts, meaning maybe it's going to be June, July for the first cut, and instead of six, maybe something closer to three. Sure, because there was a period there where it seemed like the market was a little bit too optimistic, thinking that the Fed was on the doorstep of cutting rates. The trajectory sort of went like this. Inflation seems like it's coming down rapidly to the Mm -hmm. 2% target that the Fed has stated. And if that's happening, the Fed will want to re-accelerate the economy. How would we do that? We would reverse course on interest rates. They would start to cut interest rates. And sort of seeing that into the future, thinking, gosh, that might be my March or so. Well, you know, the Fed has been fairly consistent in not painting that rosy of a picture in terms of the deceleration of inflation. And that data point seemed to indicate that they're more likely right than the market's Mm -hmm. expectations were. I think a big question is, is whether or not that inflation number sort of resets the clock for the Fed in terms of how much confidence do they need in order to cut rates. And when Chair Powell was delivering his press conference after the most recent meeting, he said, we're confident, but we're not confident enough. And I find that a little troubling because this whole impressionistic, I'll know it when I see it approach to being like, oh, now we can start cutting or now we need to start hiking or whatever it is. I don't find a lot of comfort 
in that. But that is the path that the Fed is on, and they have consistently come out and said, no, we need a little bit more data. So if we get one bad inflation print, does that mean they have to now go three more months or six more months? Because we already had about six months of decent inflation data coming into that most recent CPI number. Most likely, Austin Goolsby from the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago, he said for him, this one bad data print isn't that big of a deal. He said, I'm actually expecting that we're going to get another bad data print just because that's the nature of the data. It's all over the place. He's like, but it's not going to undermine his confidence that they will be at a point, probably middle of the year, where they can start cutting rates. And I think a key thing for investors to consider is that it's not like in the past where they feel like they're going to be cutting rates because they have to. In order to re-stimulate the economy, it's because they can, because the economy is doing okay and inflation is moving low enough that they can kind of take the foot off the brake a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting. That's the soft landing. That's essentially that definition of that, which they're trying to accomplish. And if you think about it, if you were trying to land a plane, you wouldn't just slow down abruptly and wait until it slammed into the ground. (laughs) As you're coming down, you would find that sort of sweet spot between acceleration and deceleration. And that's kind of what you're alluding to. Now, I do think it's a little bit interesting. You know, we talk about markets being forward-looking. As investors, we tend to be Mm longer-term forward-looking macro thesis and trajectory, but the market reacted, at least on one day, pretty significantly. Well, okay, you have to remember the difference between short-term traders looking for that opportunity to see the market move pretty dramatically, as opposed to the difference between us as longer-term investors. That's true. Yeah, the market does seem to be rather what we would call myopic, very nearsighted, as far as just looking out what's going to happen at the next data release, the next FOMC meeting, but we do need to look out over that longer term. Now, let's kind of zoom out maybe 12 months as far as what is the market pricing in. And that's not even that long term for long term investors, right? But if you kind of think about 12 months, what is the market pricing in for earnings growth for S&P 500 companies? That has moved from what we thought was kind of optimistic 11% growth to something a little bit more what we believe is realistic, closer to 9%. I'd actually like to see that come down a little bit more, maybe 7 to 8%. But it's at least heading in the right direction. So some of the maybe over-optimism, over-enthusiasm about the soft landing has been kind of priced out of the market to an extent, but we are still seeing plenty of great opportunities, but you do need to dig for them for that longer term growth. I mean, just to highlight a few of them, you know, uh, this past week when we were talking on the investment committee, finding opportunities and say like energy, just a lot of these companies are great cash cows, maybe small mid cap companies that have been really overlooked because everybody has been too focused on like the Magnificent Seven and these mega cap tech stocks, or even outside of the United States, Europe. Uh, They actually went through a recession last year. Valuations there seem fairly attractive. So taking that longer view, it it can be tough to do, especially with this 24-hour news cycle that we're in. Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Mark Beck is our Chief Growth Officer. We've got those guys for the rest of the show. That's our Week in Review, always available on demand at the top of the hour, wherever you get your podcasts, also in the Axiom newsletter. 
Still to come, what is and what isn't financial planning? This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Saturday, February 17th. Thanks for listening. We're going to be right back on 620 WTMJ. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WTMJ. Welcome back on the air, on the stream, on the podcast, no matter how. We are glad you are with us. Sign up for the Axiom, our free weekly newsletter. I get so much in my inbox. Some stuff I love, some stuff I don't. We think you're going to like that. That's the Axiom. Don't have to be a client. Social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube with over 1,500 videos. You can get this show on demand at the top of the hour on Spotify and brand new on AnnexWealth.com. Annex Resources and Research. We call it Annex R&R. Fantastic and free library of research and resources. I'm Danny Clayton, Dr. Brian Jacobson in the studio. Mark Beck is our Chief Growth Officer. Yeah, thanks, Danny. Hey, Brian, before we went to break, we started talking a little bit about about sort of a level set of growth expectations and earnings expectations, you know, kind of coming down to a little bit more realistic level. And not just in like certain areas, but maybe even from some of the kind of bellwether mm-hmm. companies that are really good indicators of, you know, how the consumer is behaving and just real broad indication of the economy. So but from that perspective, when we think about that, how does that make you feel about where we are at this point in terms of valuations broadly in the market? Sure. I, I think things are getting better. There's been a lot of concern about elevated valuations, but honestly, most of the elevated valuations are coming from a small but fairly large pocket as far as the number, small in terms of the number of names, but large in terms of the market capitalization, the influence that these have on the indices, where people seem to be expecting that trees can grow to the sky for certain companies. But when you look at the smaller and maybe mid-cap companies, valuations, so market multiples, whether it's price to earnings or dividend yields, price to cash flow, looks a lot more attractive and closer to historical norms. I would say that the retail sales data that we got should give people a little bit of pause about what the growth outlook for 2024 and 2025 will be. A lot of it has has been driven by consumer spending. We don't think that consumer spending is going to go in reverse, but it's probably not going to advance at just the rapid pace that we saw in 2023. So the heavy lifting for growth might need to come from business spending and even from international markets. I'll be personally happy if the consumer spending at my household slows down a little bit, for example. But, you know, I wanted to ask you about that also in terms of, so, you know, we came out of that correction that occurred in the third quarter of last year with a really significant market recovery into the fourth quarter. We've moved higher so far here in 2024. And and that's the reason I ask about valuations. But it's really interesting that in other areas, we've actually seen the economic recession and a really big divergence in certain asset classes Mm -hmm. so that the rising tide really hasn't lifted all boats. That's right. A lot of people are really aware of what has been happening in China. They still have about 5% growth, which is great, but they need something a little bit faster than that. Uh, But then you have areas like Japan and the United Kingdom. They actually had legitimate recessions, two quarters in a row of a decline in gross domestic product to end 2023. But yet, if you look at what happened in Japan, their equity market 
market hit new highs, highs that they haven't seen in like 35 years. So uh, they've been in basically like a bear market for many decades. So even though they had a recession during that period of time, the market did quite well because one of the maxims in investing is that the market is not the economy. You can have markets doing really well if the companies are profitable and investors are willing to pay up for that profitability. And it's hard for some people to get their minds around. So it's important to think about that. What are the macro trends, but what do we really see happening from an investment standpoint to marry those together? As Mark Beck, he is our chief growth officer. Dr. Brian Jacobson is our chief economist. We'd love to meet you where you're at. Maybe Annex Comprehensive Wealth, Annex Private Client, if you have complex needs with high net worth, or Annex Ignite, a great place to start. Investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. That's what we do, but we don't feel the job is done without those core tasks being complete. You might be doing some of those things, but if you're only doing a couple, is that really a plan? Up next, what is and what isn't financial planning? This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. One team, one plan, one fee. Annex Wealth Management works in your best interest. Can your advisors say that? This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Mark Beck is our Chief Growth Officer. Welcome back. Thank you. Part of the process working with Annex is that complimentary portfolio review. And we do insurance analysis for our clients. Tax planning is part of our service to our clients. Estate planning is also part. But Mark, none of those things is financial planning. Why not? Well, because they're components of financial planning. I think that's important because many people think about the financial plan as just the projection around how much money do I have now? What will I live on? And will I have money that outlives me? But part of the planning process is really to incorporate all of those tax efficiency, estate strategy behind that as well. And of course, you mentioned investments. Incorporating all of that into the investment plan is important. Wrap it all up together. That's comprehensive wealth planning or financial planning. Let's dig down into each of these categories and find out how it's part of the larger picture for our clients, but it's not the whole thing. Mark, how about investment planning? Yeah, a lot of people lead with investment planning. And traditionally, you would sell investment products. People would just buy the product, basically. But investment planning is bigger than that. Am I saving efficiently and in the right spots? Do I have an investment strategy that fits together with my liquidity needs and also within my risk tolerance? And then how am I implementing that in an efficient manner, so keeping costs low? Insurance planning, that's part of a financial plan. What's its contribution? Well, insurance planning, the contribution there is is safety and security. So thinking about what are the financial risks and how do we want to cover those risks, which is a different approach than thinking about how much insurance can I sell. It's what risks do you need and what would you want to accomplish if something were to happen? And any one of those components is across the spectrum. Life insurance is what we think of naturally, but also things like disability insurance. Are you properly covering yourself for liability, for example? And then again, how do we do that efficiently? None of us wants to spend more on insurance than we need to, but we also don't want to be left with risks that we haven't covered. We're talking with Mark Beck, Chief Growth Officer at Annex Wealth Management. A financial plan only as good as the sum of its parts. Unbalanced, it's unproductive. How about tax planning? Tax planning is different than just filling out the tax form submitting your tax payment or potentially getting a refund if you're one of those folks. But that's what people think about when you think about tax planning. But really, it's about understanding where you are now, what's coming up in the near term, where you're headed in the long term, 
and a strategy that helps you be as efficient as possible across all of those spectrums. So proactive is what tax planning is about. And then let's talk a little bit about estate planning. Similar to tax planning, looking out into the future. The last thing you want to do, Danny, is when your time is there to leave a mess, essentially, right? So organized, strategic in nature, meet your needs and expectations and your goals overall, and put your loved ones in a position where it's not adding stress on an already difficult emotional time period. And then the nitty-gritty, the retirement planning, and that's where it really kind of starts to come together. Yes, you bring it all back together to financial planning. Retirement planning and financial planning, to a lot of people, synonymous. The retirement plan, do I have enough money? What's my lifestyle going to look like? Will I be able to be financially secure all the way through my elderly years? And talking about all of those components that we just went through are all keys to getting there. They all have to work together. That is what makes an actual financial plan. Without the parts working together, you might not have a plan. You you probably don't. Most people, I would say, do not have a plan. And if they do have some sort of a plan, they are not covering the comprehensive basis. And let's talk real quickly about the three lines that Annex Wealth Management offers. Annex Ignite is something where people are just starting out. That's really a place, maybe fresh out of college, maybe in your late 20s, early 30s. You want to get pointed in the right direction. Yeah, guideposts, you know, directionally, good decision-making, build the foundation. And then Annex Comprehensive Wealth is really probably our biggest basket, I would think. Am I almost there yet towards retirement? Am I going to be able to achieve that? What's my lifestyle going to look like? And then the things we talked about with tax and estate efficiency and bring that all together with an investment portfolio that supports my lifestyle needs. And then a little bit about Annex Private Client. Private Client is where the financial situation has gotten more complex, where we're dealing with much more sophisticated tax, estate, investment strategy, and they meld themselves together with the high net worth families that we work with. Mark Beck is our chief growth officer. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Before we go to news, a couple of things that you might want to know about. Destination retirement, are we there yet? If you're not working with Annex Wealth Management yet, that might be a great idea. At 6 o'clock this coming Tuesday at the Annex Wealth Management headquarters, the brand new headquarters in Brookfield. Appleton, Saving the Family Cottage, 6 o'clock, Wednesday the 21st at the Paper Valley Hotel. Details at AnnexWealth.com. Bottom of the hour, let's go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Planning and investing insight from a fee-only fiduciary. And we put that in writing. You're listening to Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on WTMJ. We're back and it's time for Ask Annex in the studio. Matt Morsey, Investment Team Manager, also a CFP. Hey. Hey, Danny. And we got Fred Coleman, a CFP and a Wealth Manager. Hello. Hello, Danny. All right. First on Ask Annex, big question here. I am 60 years old and retired. I've got about $800,000 in traditional IRAs and about $700,000 in brokerage accounts. Should I start drawing on my IRAs now or should I leave it to grow and draw from my after-tax brokerage accounts? I have a pension, so my marginal federal tax rate for the IRA withdrawal is 22%. Common sense thing seems to be leave the money in there as long as possible, but will I get hit with a tax bomb in 15 years when RMDs start? Great question. Uh, You have a lot of moving parts and this is an ideal situation for some distribution planning. The goal of creating a distribution plan is to withdraw funds as tax efficiently as possible. So we need to take a few things into consideration. The first thing is your pension. The thing that you didn't mention in here is that as some point, Social Security will come into play. 
although that you're in a 22% tax bracket now, this is likely the lowest tax bracket that you'll be in. So what I would encourage you to do is to start looking at some Roth conversions. You have about 15 years of tax flexibility before you're forced to take required minimum distributions. If you do Roth conversions, that money can still grow you're getting taxes out the way at probably the lowest tax rate you'll ever be at. This will help create that tax-free bucket. And then you'll also still have that brokerage account there for flexibility and any supplemental withdrawals that you may need. Next up, what is your opinion of fund of funds? Matt, I guess that's yours. And can you explain a fund of funds? Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Danny. You know, a fund of fund is essentially where you have like an allocation fund, such as like a target date fund, which is probably the most well-known one, where let's say you plan on retiring in 25 years, you have an allocation built within that fund of other funds that create that. Instead of like a bond fund or a stock fund where the stock funds are going to have a whole bunch of different stocks in it, like Apple, Microsoft, Google, and all those kind of things. A fund of fund has other funds. So it might have a large cap fund, a small cap fund, an international fund, a bond fund, all of those pieces put together to make up that fund. So fund of funds. Probably the most common ones, like I said, are target date funds where they're going to shift over time for you on your behalf. So if you have a retirement goal of 25 years, you pick one that lines up from a year perspective to that. They're very common in 401k plans. And then as you get closer, the manager of that fund is automatically making you more conservative on what they call a glide path over the course of time. My opinion of them is what is your goal? What are you trying to achieve? And that going to be the best way for you. Like I said, in 401k, 403bs, even HSAs or 529s, these are very, very common and they fill a great need in those areas. Generally, it's people who are not investment professionals but are saving in that way. They don't have access to advice to be able to create that allocation in order to make sure that they're not going to screw something up. They can use one of those. That's a great way to do that. Here at Annex, we generally don't use them. What we can do is actually create and help people with their 401k, 403b allocations so that they can have something that's more custom or specific to them. Because the drawback of a fund of funds is everyone who uses it is assumed to be the same. If we're all going to retire in 25 years, we're going to have the exact same allocation. What it doesn't take into account is if I'm more aggressive or more conservative than you guys are, even though we're going to retire at the same spot, or that's the idea, we might want a different allocation there. So there are some drawbacks to it too. But if you don't have access to that advice, or if maybe the, the other investment options are not great within the 401k, that might be a good way to go. For instance, my wife, the plan that she has, I really don't like the investment options that are inside of her 401k. So that's what we use as a fund to fund or a target date fund there, because to me, that's the best allocation that we can get there. What's the farthest out target date fund that you've seen? Oh, I think 2065 or 2070, I think is what I've seen. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be 105. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to pick that one. All right, Fred, I think this one is for you. What do you think about the Frank Duke method of working through NUA? You got to explain NUA and then who is Frank Duke? I know George Duke, the jazz great, but who's Frank Duke? The only thing I know is Duke basketball. Frank Duke, I don't don't know Frank Duke either. He became famous for using a method called net unrealized appreciation uh, and he actually took it a step further the way that net unrealized appreciation works is it works for those who have company stock within their 401k plan so if you have company stock within your 401k plan this 
question is specifically for you. And also those whose stock has greatly appreciated over time. You could be the owner, employee, or someone who's been working there for many years. And for those who are in a higher tax bracket. So one example is, let's say you're in a 37% tax bracket. Using the NUA method, essentially you could only pay 20% capital gains tax on the company stock rather than paying 37% at the ordinary income level. Frank Duke took it to another level using the 60-day rollover rule to attempt to save even more on taxes. It's a lot of complexities when it comes to this. It depends on your individual situation if this method would work for you or not, but it needs to be executed perfectly and it involves your wealth manager then also making sure that they have a CPA on their team. NUA is something that we do a lot of with our Annex executive and Annex private clients. Fred Coleman, CFP Wealth Manager, thanks. Thanks. Matt Moore is the Investment Team Manager, thank you. Thank you. That's Ask Annex. Got a question for us? You head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ. One team, one plan, one fee. Money Talk is straight talk from a local fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is Money Talk. The Annex Wealth Management Show on WTMJ. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show is 620 WTMJ. We're with Dan Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, CFP, CDFA, and a Wealth Manager. Welcome back. Hi, Danny. One of our most popular presentations is coming back and coming back pretty soon. It's Destination Retirement. Are we there yet? This is an ideal way of people who aren't currently working with Annex to size up their situation in light of current economic conditions, upcoming election, and possible changes in tax policy. This will have new, fresh, and very vital information. It is Saturday. This thing's on Tuesday, and I know you're still working on it, right? Oh, yeah, because uh, there are so many changes all the time. But, you know, there are constants that need to be looked at when you're approaching a transition like retirement. And those really don't change no matter what the economic circumstance. And folks, like everything we do, this is a low-key learning opportunity. Our goal is not to sell you something. This isn't a chicken dinner where we're all of a sudden steered over to an annuity. We're offering our help. Dan, it's been a wild couple of years. The pandemic, the early retirements, the unretirements, the market volatility, <laughs> the inflation. Many people putting off retirement because of uncertainty and others are on track. Right, but here's the thing, and of course election year this year, uncertainty gets people second guessing. But here's the thing, there's always something. We can always point back to a year and go, I retired during XYZ event, right? So this is why we gotta have our ducks in a row. Retirement should be pretty darn awesome, but the process of retiring might not be. In fact, retiring can be a really stressful event, and that's too bad. Well, yes, it can be. and But a lot of times it's because, again, people don't know what they're retiring to. They think, well, I'm retiring from work, and there's yeah. this whole open environment to me now. But really, we do need to give thought to who will I be in retirement? Where will I do it? And then we can get a feel for expenditures. And of course, the financial planning starts to fall into place then. You said that there's always something, and you are right. People just aren't sure, though. So, okay, so far, we've dodged a recession, but history is going to tell us we're going to have one at some point. But is that reason to hold off retirement? No, it's really not. There's always one. If we have our arms around our cash flow and understand the income coming in and when we should turn on those different parts of income, and that is something that we really look at specifically here at Annex because there's different levels of taxation to different types of income. So, you know, one of the big mistakes 
mistakes that I see, and I know I've said this before, Danny, is before people come to us, they'll retire, and maybe they're in their early or mid-60s, and they'll turn on every source of income. And sometimes, without doing the financial planning, what they've done is turned on a potential tax trap or tax tornado. And maybe now they lose their tax flexibility, and they might not even, when all is said and done, need all of that income all at once at that time. You said this earlier. I really believe this successful retirement happens when somebody retires to something rather than from something. If you're just trying to stop the pain, that's not going to work. In destination retirement, are we there yet? Our presentation, which comes up on Tuesday, do we get at the expectations in retirement? I mean, do we probe for something like that? You bet. We have people think about who they're going to be because there are expenditures around that. So whether it's, you know, the I want to be the babysitting grandparent, right? We've had clients actually right size their house a few times to bigger locations to accommodate their growing grandkids because that's where their values are. So obviously there's an expense around that. And then you get into, do I finance? Do I pay cash in retirement? Should I have a mortgage in retirement? These are all very important and very germane questions. A lot of times people will say, okay, I want to snowbird. Should I buy? Should I not? What does that look like? These are all things, again, who will I be? You know, you could have a couple and they say, we want warm weather. Well, there's a significant difference both in cost of living adjustment from Milwaukee area and in just the environment as well between Arizona and Florida, mm-hmm. right? So these are conversations you really need to have, and there are real expenses around these as well. We're talking about destination retirement. Are we there yet? Happens on Tuesday. Does it get at things like taxes? You bet. Uh, so we know we're going into an environment where the tax code will change at the end of next year. And so we look at the different types of income buckets and the taxation around those. And the whole thing about tax planning, which we do really well here at Annex, is to be able to make as much of a decision and put it in our laps how much tax we want to pay and when. And we really can do that with proper planning. Okay. How about estate planning? That is a big part. No, it really is. And I like to divide it into two things and bifurcate it between the living legacy. What do you want Mm -hmm. while you're still here versus all the estate planning documents and what you leave behind? So yes, those are very important to look at. That's why we have in-house estate planning attorneys here. Again, we're not a law firm. We do not practice law so we don't draft but we educate around all these issues we take a look make sure beneficiary designations are the way you want them all important part of the plan destination retirement are we there yet it's an ideal way if you're not currently working with annex to size us up a little bit kick our tires we don't mind in fact we would love to see you and it's coming up pretty quick in fact it's it's here we are sitting on saturday it's tuesday yes it's this tuesday danny at 6 p.m this tuesday february 20th in our annex wealth management headquarters here in brookfield you can sign up today at annexwealth.com under the events tab what time is that is that a six o'clock thing six o'clock six o'clock good and we're not going to keep you forever we're not going (laughs) to strong arm you i mean this is an informational thing yeah but you know you come away with a list of what to look at in the different areas of tax estate planning income planning all that all right. And folks, I'm going to tell you, if you want to get going sooner than later, you can always head right to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development at Annex Wealth Management, Wealth Manager, CFP, and a CDFA. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is Money Talk. It's the Annex Wealth Management Show for Saturday. More to come. Stick around. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back to wrap things up on 620 WTMJ. The longest-running weekly personal finance radio show in Wisconsin. This is Money Talk. The Annex Wealth Management Show on WTMJ. We're back. Thanks for hanging out. 
three easy ways to access content from Annex Wealth Management. You can do it on the air. You can do it on the stream. You can do it on the podcast. No matter what, we are glad to be here and providing a great service for you. I'm Danny Clayton, Dr. Brian Jacobson, our chief economist, still in the studio. So is Mark Beck, chief growth officer. Thanks, Danny. Hey, Brian, I thought we should talk a little bit about sort of the intersection of investment strategy, tax strategy, and philanthropy or legacy planning, right? Mm-hmm. So this is one of those areas where it comes together when we start to move into you know, the scenarios where the planning becomes more complex, typically also where the net worth levels have started to get to you know higher levels. And this can happen, I say, from an investment perspective. If we're doing a really good job, We've got investment positions in the portfolio that have appreciated significantly over time, and nobody loves to pay the taxes on those, right? So we find ourselves in a situation where we've got pent-up, unrealized gains, and we also have a tax income tax picture, mm-hmm. and, but we likely have some philanthropic goals or legacy goals as well. And so we can start to look at that and say, how can we orchestrate these things together? So for example, we maybe don't want one position to become overweight in the portfolio. So we're managing risk, balancing the portfolio appropriately. Also, if it's a position that's significantly appreciated, we might be thinking, gosh, it's a good time to take some gains off the table there. So there are some ways to navigate that without just selling it and paying the gains tax. Yeah, there are. You know, And that's something that we really enjoy sitting down and working through with clients to find out what are their goals, especially as it relates to gifting or to donations. When you have, it's a good problem to have. It really is. Oftentimes, if you have a concentrated position, it's grown to a very large size. I can think of a few examples where somebody bought a stock that did very well, but maybe they bought it back in the late 1990s. And so it's an incredible amount of gains that they have built into that is trying to find an efficient way in order to gift that perhaps to a charity. Now, maybe that's through a donor advised fund. Maybe it's a gift outright of that security to a charity, or maybe it's into a private foundation. So there are all sorts of different options, especially if you have that philanthropic intent. It gets a little bit more challenging if it's going to be, let's say, a gift to a relative, because then there it's a little bit more challenging to get away from the tax man in those cases. Sure. And time is somewhat of the essence with some of these strategies, because we do know that at the end of 2025, the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is set to expire. Maybe it'll get extended, maybe not. But based on the information that we have today, there's really a great planning opportunity, this window of opportunity that we have to make the most of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act while it's still in existence. And sometimes people are a little bit too narrow-minded about this, because you may have accumulated the shares of a particular stock over time and you have different points where you've made those purchases and so therefore you have different cost basis on different lots. Yes. And people look at it and say, well, geez, I've got a million dollars worth of gain in this particular position and I don't want to pay all those taxes on that. But you might look at that and say, here are some of those lots that I purchased later that have much lower 
built-in gains. Those are ripe for selling, mm-hmm. right? Take advantage of the higher basis, lower amount of gains, pay the tax on that. But then some of those lots that you first started accumulating that maybe have very low basis, those are the ones that you target and say, okay, these would be great to transfer to my donor advised fund or to my private foundation. And, you know, So you can really dissect that a little bit more deeply, I think. Now, you mentioned a little bit about family members. You know, there is a little bit of an opportunity to chisel around those in terms of like maybe to the kids while they're still, you know, either in really low income tax bracket, taking advantage potentially of the zero capital gains tax rate. So, you know, they're just starting their careers or something like that. So you can think about broadly kind of the tax situation for the family as a whole. So it doesn't have to be just charity as our tool to address this. I think that's a great perspective to take is what's the objective, right? And then also oftentimes what we're talking about also who's the client, right? Is it really to minimize the taxes of that individual or is it for the entire family? And I think that's a really good thing to kind of think about is to broaden that scope Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist, Annex Wealth Management. Mark Beck, Chief Growth Officer. Thanks for jumping on today. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Brian, thank you. Thank you. Folks, we're ready to partner with you and help you reach the retirement you desire. And we'll meet you right where you're at with Annex Comprehensive Wealth, Annex Private Client, Annex Ignite. It's time to put things in the hands of seasoned professionals. Click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. Quick reminder, this Tuesday, Destination Retirement, Are We There Yet? at our Brookfield headquarters. Free event, the perfect way to learn more about Annex if you're not working with us. Complete details at AnnexWealth.com. Thank you for listening. See you next Saturday, 10. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.